everyone. Welcome back to the left page. I am Frank, your always online historian, academic, writer, and podcaster. Today, uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. I am here with a very, very special guest, talk about a brilliant book. And for the first time, it's not fiction, but definitely worth it. Uh, we'll be talking about Jenny O'Dell's How to Do Nothing, uh, an incredible work that questions productivity, the attention economy, human agency, and technology. And to talk about it, our amazing guest, art historian, archivist, and fellow podcaster, Nadja O. Welcome! Well, hello, and um, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm very excited to be here. I, I didn't notice it was your first nonfiction book. That's quite exciting. <laughs> well, uh, so hello, like Ryan said, I'm an art historian and archivist, as well as a fellow podcaster. Podcast is called Imaginarium, an alternate history of art, where I try to delve into lesser known subjects of art history from a bit of a different perspective than what I've learned during my classes. So here I am, and I'm very glad to be here. Yeah, so am I. I mean, when you suggested this book, which you were talking about before on Twitter too, I was like, hmm, yeah, I can't say no to this. This is too good. <laughs> and it was. Yeah, well, I'm really glad you liked it. When you asked me to choose a book, I was hesitating between a few books. And I think one of the options that I was considering was also about the same sort of subject, but it was a fiction book. And so I was just like, Jenny O'Dell just has so many interesting things to say. So I, I'm glad you, you read it and you liked it. And I'm very excited to get to talk about it. Yeah. And I mean, like, there's always another time for you to come back and we talk about something else. Ooh. <laughs> so, you know. Ooh, I would love that. But yeah, just as a heads up, there's a lot to the book. So we're not going to cover so everything, much. but we're going to try at least a fair amount. We'll try our best. We'll really try our best. Yes, there's, a, there's really a lot to cover within this book. She talks about a lot of stuff and a lot of themes. And I think, like, like I was telling you, I think it's just so relevant to us today, especially in terms of, like you said, productivity and, you know, having to constantly work and be productive and the whole climate around that. And I think it's worth talking about. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, <laughs> the the questioning of these notions of progress. And I mean, she uses Benjamin. So I, uh, and, I mean, it was almost pandering to me, <laughs> <laughs> but it was just this idea of the attention economy which i didn't know before as a concept mm -hmm. felt really interesting and just how how do we understand our engagement with media with society with news in terms of attention mm -hmm. and understanding those structures and mechanics and further connecting it to all other points of work of corporate culture and existence of mm -hmm. nature and uh, biology and ecology art it's I mean it's pretty great <laughs> it's pretty great it is it is it is but yeah it's uh the attention economy I think it's 
that's a very interesting concept because I didn't think about it either before reading this book. But yes, there's just so much to pay attention to all the time. And I think we're very overwhelmed. And I think at times it can be used for us not to pay attention to what we should pay attention to and like, you know, divert our attention to like less uh, important things. So I think it's a tool that can be used by people, you know, by government, by whatever to make us think, not think about important things. So I, I think it, it was really interesting as a concept. Yeah, I to sort of tie it back to a lot of the things I've considered and, and adding like the, the focus, thinking about writing, thinking about fiction, like what can that mean as an example for it all? Like in terms of these existing themes, uh, what are the ones that get more attention? What are the ones that are felt that are like worth marketing or worth mm-hmm. being given attention to and how that has like material imaginative consequences to like what is possible, what isn't possible, what is sensible, what is real, what isn't, what is pure fantasy. And yeah. it's a book. <laughs> it's a book. Please read it. Please read it. Please read it. I mean, that's our first and last statement on this book. Please read it. We it's great. <laughs> the episode ends here. <laughs> I was going to mention about well, just one of I, I wrote down a lot of different quotes from the book because they're mm-hmm. helpful at getting across both what she means and like you know, the explanation of the concepts by the author herself. It's pretty good. Mm -hmm. But she mentions, I've also learned that patterns of attention, what we choose to notice and what we we do not, are how we render reality for ourselves and thus have a direct bearing on what we feel is possible at any given time. So, Mm. yeah, the way we engage with information and, well, information, culture, media, anything and everything builds what seems feasible real concrete in our minds so that the way what we consume in terms of culture and media uh, be it like a podcast about the alternate history of art or you know (laughs) just getting some contact with those paintings without that historical element and without understanding a larger picture it creates different perspectives on what seems real, like mm-hmm. to, to further that example. And I mean, I, I can't stop thinking about it, but your recent episode on Baia. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but that like, if uh, we are exposed to only to this Eurocentric imperialist perspective on art, then, well, we are going to end up believing a lot of the time that that's the only possible art that can be done under this framework, under this existence, or the only one worth valuing when that's exactly. not at all true. That That's so, so true. And yeah, that's a bit what I've been trying to do because we never learn about how many artists, uh, you know, people of color, women, people that are, are non-binary, whatever. Like they've always existed and created art, but it's, it's the the way art history has been shaped. And I mean, I'm sure you know about it, you know, being a historian as well, even though we're not quite doing the same kind of history. Like it's how, what is being chosen, what is being chosen to be told. 
and what is being considered as important and valuable is ultimately says a lot about values and about you know the way the world is is not made but it says a lot you know about how the art canon is being constructed and it I think it's a bit naive to say that the art canon is just like something that always has been here that of <laughs> course you know uh, we choose that uh, Claude Monet is uh, the greatest nature painter of all time I mean yes he's great I totally agree but like why was a French painter you know <laughs> uh, during French colonization and you know with all these things that you have to keep in mind why him and not maybe someone else and not maybe like uh, and this is why it was important for me to talk about Baya because she's She's a woman, she was living under a colonization and it's a whole other sort of context that I think is important to consider and why was her art not talked about and why a certain other artist is being talked about. And I think it's important to consider why and how. And, you know, it's, it's just a bit because, you know, facts are facts, she existed Picasso existed, but why we choose to <laughs> value Picasso and give, give him countless exhibits? I mean, there's one in the city I live about Picasso starting the next month, and I was seeing it, it was just like, oh no, not him again. I hate him. That's very fair. I dislike him so much. But you know, so it's just those sort of questions that are very important to consider, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you're completely right. And that's what's so interesting about this idea of attention, because it's not just, oh, what we're paying it. No, it's it's a whole knowledge, like everything we're exposed to. That's It's a really wide idea for the attention economy. And yeah. in the way, like, it's difficult to create good, wider concepts, but it really works because mm -hmm. it does, like... Yeah, it's referring to both what we are exposed in terms of literature, art, culture, education, and mm -hmm. our day-to-day, -day, uh, what we are exposed to on Twitter, on social media. And it's it's sufficient to explain and understand taking them in in their own roles, but as part of defining our engagement with the world. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. Uh, I agree. But yeah, it's fascinating to think about. It's it's a lot. <laughs> that book was a lot. Oh, I, I mean, again, we, we, we're literally still on the title. Potentially. <laughs> <laughs> we really are. Okay, how to do nothing. But also I liked that, you know, how to do nothing. I know a lot of people complain to the author that it wasn't, you know, a practical guide of how to do nothing. But it's not a practical guide. It's really more of a manifesto, you know, an yeah. anti-capitalist, anti, you know, what have you about, you know, against having to work all the time, against having to be constantly productive. Like, if, I mean, we've talked about it, uh, you and I, about how yeah. even when people are like, oh, you have to rest uh, and, and everything, you have to take care of yourself but it's only in the sort of uh, mindset that you have to be better at work which 
You know, it's it's a lot to unpack here. I mean, please sleep eight hours a night, but only so that tomorrow you can go to work and be really performing. Okay, thank you. Yeah, it's it's a much better nothing because it's a nothing for its own sake of existing exactly. and being in the world. And exactly. Like, it's the, the title uh, sounds like a self-help book. It does. It, it really does. Be, but it isn't. It's really great critical and historical work. Yeah. And that's what it's supposed It's not like trying to give like tips or advice. It's like, so this is the world we live in. This is like, how do we understand, create, and can think of doing nothing? And that's mm-hmm. I mean, much more interesting, I think. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I... I have fallen a bit into this trap because I'm a bit of a not overworked person, but you know, I I do a lot. I think everyone tells me to like <laughs> please take it easy. I mean, I have a full time job. I'm doing the podcast. I'm writing a lot of articles and just you know trying to to live. You know, having a bit of a life somehow. And you know, I'm always doing a lot constantly and I've always a bit fallen into this trap of oh you have to do more trying to find the time to do this and that so when I read her book it was a bit of a you know a slap against the head like you have to some just do nothing and it just removing yourself from the capitalist society and this urge to constantly do something and I think it it was really helpful for me personally. And I think it would be really helpful just for a lot of people. Yeah. Just, yeah. You know, I agree. <laughs> it's like, oh, we are human beings. We we can we are. We can exist for our own sake because we do. Mm-hmm. Good. Actually. Good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, also removing that guilt that I think a lot of people are feeling about not working about not being productive enough and I it's like your person your goal is not to be constantly productive your goal is not to be what is the word a card in the capitalistic machine that's Mm -hmm. not what we're here for I don't know what we're here for but it's not that yes (laughs) it's not that sometimes you just have to chill and do nothing and be under the sun and I think that that's great you know yeah mm-hmm. just just go out and be in a, in a rose garden which is exactly her recommendation and like I, I wish we I wish as well <laughs> yeah but yes um that that's what I I really, I think it's a book that's really helpful on this uh on this side of thinking things and thinking things well. <laughs> but you know, I think it's really it's really helpful and to bring another perspective to things. So yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and I think it's and she she goes at, at great lengths to to talk about a bit about well, one of the this nothing as an opposition to this productivity to this endless needing to be this cog mm-hmm. and i i really like the way she defines it as this neoliberal techno manifest destiny yeah that that was kind of metal like i have to say 
it was really great and it's i mean that's one of the other like huge themes in the book of like mm-hmm. what is this existence what is this productivity what is this just endless guilt that like yeah no you you need to to do your best you need to and like in pandemic times i know right <laughs> i know right and like this it's constantly like oh we have to go back to normal we have to go back to work and it's like excuse me karen we're in the middle of a pandemic people are dying people are are ill like things are not easy why do we have to also work full-time 40 hours a week yeah <laughs> simply please make it sense. it doesn't make sense it's very frustrating i think this idea that you have to work or your existence isn't worth it i don't know i've t- tasted a bit of the uh not working life last year and I thought it was great I had time for myself it was lovely <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, th- I think it's a lot that we are told that one of the, one of the only ways that we can signify our lives is via working and working mm-hmm. under these horrific conditions like in so many yeah. ways it's like oh no it's via this work or this type of work that you can bring meaning to your life no no it's not mm-hmm. it's really not yeah and also even when you work it feel it's like oh you it's a family you have to bring your 100% at work and Ugh. you know do overtime and then i'm just like i'm not doing this i'm really sorry i'm really not doing this I'm not working at the museum anymore, so I can say this, but I was giving my 50% at best at that job. I was just like, excuse me, at 6 p.m., I'm done. Don't ask for me. And I think, you know, there's this idea that you really have to be there for work. And I'm just like, I'd rather be there for my friends. I'd rather be there for my family, for the people I care about, (laughs) for, you know social justice for climate justice you know that kind of thing yeah i would rather my effort and energy goes to things that i really care about and not work but alas this is the world we live in it is (laughs) ah and -hmm. just one of a lot of what i was thinking on how this is just so she mentions a bit about this but like i I was just remembering because like and like you need to be focused on work and you need to be available for work and yes. in pandemic times like when that even when that separation barely was there like it's it's no longer there like yeah it's, it's just it's it's home but it's also the office and it's also work and it's also yeah yeah I I have to admit I like working from home but it's only because I I get up at 8 a.m. 8 I have to start work at 8 a.m. And I just kind of wake up at 7.45 and just roll out of my bed to my desk. So it's really working for me because it's far away. <laughs> but yeah, but I totally agree on what you said. It's like having to always be here and being at work even when you're at home and no longer having this separation, home, work, and you know 
it's like the office is where you live, which is how I've seen it described a lot of time, especially from my friends who have more involved, you know, jobs than I do. So I'm, yeah, then fun. Yeah, those those ads that are like, oh, your your second home or your second family. No, like, no. Friends or people I like here, but no, this is this is work. I don't want it to be anything else. Exactly, I totally agree, and I think a lot of the time, you know, this sort of technique of saying work is family. I've seen it a lot used to not pay people what they should be paid. To you yeah. know, like, uh, oh yeah, do some overtime just because you're family. Yes, come on a Saturday just because. I don't, I don't like it. I really don't like it. Yeah. I mean, like, I, <laughs> I kept remembering, like, she mentions this uh, results-only work environment. That, like, yes. oh, you don't have fixed hours and whatnot, and you can come and go. Uh, but, mm-hmm. uh, but you need, you're, but you're always on the clock then. That you're always. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote it down on the outline that I remember in high school classes talking about, mm-hmm. like, oh, this sort of minority model for like Google and Apple and whatever that's like oh you don't have a fixed hours but there's the caveat that you're pretty much always working because you need those results you need those those projects finished so you're like you're always available so that separation's gone and you're just almost always working even if it's Mm -hmm. background and that has just become more and more expensive and or like that's the model of a lot of different companies and jobs. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you you got a message from your boss on a Saturday and you need to reply and do something. Uh, yeah. 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 And it, it becomes uh, difficult to take days off and, you know, not be at work. And I totally agree with what you said. And it's um, also the fact that only results are what's important in the end. And I don't, I don't really like that at all. And I think also if you have like just limited, limited times per week, like let's say you work in 35 hours per week, like that's what your, your boss is paying you for. But if it's results only, then your boss would be paying you, you know, the same amount, but you're working maybe 80 hours a week. Yes. So it's just another way, I think, to go to underscore a bit your employees. So I, I think it sucks. Yeah. And <laughs> like that is, uh, I'm thinking, and this goes, this is older. I'm not sure how it is in most places, but I think it's the case. Like teaching jobs, like you n- never earn like what you're doing or all that you're doing. It's just like, oh, it's the hours that you're teaching. And teaching yeah. is, it's a lot more preparation. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. And planning mm. and, eva- and you know, correcting paperwork and assignments and preparing those and just mm. evaluating. It's a lot, but like, oh, but you're paid for the class times, for class hours. Yeah. And that's like... Um... <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Basically, we should abolish work. Uh, clearly the message of today's episode is definitely <laughs> that we don't like capitalism and we don't like labor let us not work anymore but yeah i think she had a lot of good messages like this in her books you know about 
the the world we live in basically about uh yes how to do nothing but how difficult it became to do nothing yeah i mean i i don't know for you even when i try i'm i always like have to force myself to not have my phone around me i don't know for you but even even when i try my best i'm just like where is my phone i mean i'm sorry i'm 25 what what do you want me to do you know i have my phone around me at all times and it just even when i'm trying to do nothing it's just i still feel available to you know whoever wants to contact me even if it's just friends you know there's it i think it's very it i think it became very difficult to just disconnect and truly do nothing in you know in 2021 so yeah i think it's uh it says a lot about our current culture and I don't think I mean she mentioned it also that she's not oh we should ditch technology and never use it anymore I mean I do love technology and I I'm I'm definitely grateful to have the internet I mean we couldn't be able to talk I mean you're all the way in Brazil and I'm in Canada but you know what I mean it's just having this really hard time disconnecting yourself and really doing nothing. So I think, I think it was really compelling to hear that sort of argument. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because I mean, it's we we can't really escape it. Uh. So some uh, creating or forcing some type of break or intermission for ourselves. <laughs> it's pretty important to hear and, and read that. It's like, you know, this, uh, this is crucial for us to exist. Exactly. Ooh, you make a good point. Yeah, I do like the term intermission that you use. Like, you know, just a kind of small break, you know, putting your phone in your room, in a drawer far away. <laughs> So that you don't feel the impulse to like constantly look up Twitter or whatever, you know, platform you're using, or like responding to messages or whatever. And I think, I think it's, it's really important to really just like put everything away and really just be with yourself and yourself alone. And that's scary, I think, for a lot of us. I know it's scary yeah. for me sometimes. Oh, it is. It's still scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It really is. I'm still having a hard time with it, which is why this book has been like so helpful to me because it's a lot of stuff that I'm still trying to deal with, even though I'm very much like agreeing with everything she says, but it's not it's not easy on a practical level. We're so ingrained in that system. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the challenges of like, you know, facing your own conscience. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's good yeah. but uh mm-hmm. a, bit, a bit difficult to do and like you're it, it's one of those processes that take a lot of time and mm-hmm. we, even when we take these breaks it's it's difficult to feel like you took the necessary time to do so i mean yeah. to give an example like and that's something i really need to do because uh <laughs> on this like managing time or like trying to take care of my own head mm-hmm. and heart uh it's like i need to like more actively take the time to like no i need my spiritual time i need to stop and like focus on this because otherwise i won't otherwise it'll get lost in the other things and like i need this is crucial exactly i feel you 
It really is. And I think I really love also the idea of self-care that she brings in. Yeah. Because it's not the generally given advice of of self-care, you know. Uh, get a bubble bath and do some skincare and do some yoga and drink water. And I, I think all of this is not, you know, bad stuff in and of themselves. I mean, I do love some skincare for myself and I do love, you know, I think doing some exercise is always good and it's not bad in itself, but it's not real self-care, I think, you know? You know what I mean? It feels very superficial. So I think, you know, taking truly taking the time for yourself and taking the time you need to just be and exist and feel like a person again, I think it's very important and true self-care somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Because self-care isn't always going to be simple. It can at times be like sitting with yourself and like, huh, this sucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Sometimes it's like, it it just be like that. Yeah, but it's important to like, at times, like sit quietly and like, hmm. Uh Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, um... But yes, it's also the language of, you know, self-care and rest and being by yourself. I feel has been, she talks about it as well, about how it's been corrupted a bit by, you know, the wellness industry. Absolutely. And it's just something that should be more of a personal thing and that just sort of gets ingrained back into the capitalist machine. I'm just like, we could have had one good thing, but alas. (laughs) Alas. But yes, it could sometimes to just sit by yourself and it's very difficult to do, but it's it's important. Yeah, I think it's, you you put it perfectly, like to be a person again. Sometimes you just want to, yeah not be and then like okay I, I can be I can I can exist again mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean it's I think it's something that we've felt especially more keenly in the past two years about you yeah know, yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the 2021 uh thing where you just look at each other and just be like yeah yeah <laughs> but yes I I think after everything that's been happening and that continues to happen and like things have just kept happening. They haven't stopped. It's been a lot. And I think just having, you know, even if only 15 minutes to just feel like sort of a person again is is important and do nothing and not be having to constantly do something. And I, I think it's it's important and and yes. I mean, I think uh, doing doing the show, like just sitting down, talking with friends, mm-hmm. and like about important and interesting stuff, like it's it's a type of self care. It's like you know, mm-hmm. be away from the world a while and just like you know, think about some stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think it's not about against you know work as a whole. I think it's it's really lovely to have you know something that you care about and care about putting the effort in I mean I love doing the podcast because I love art history and I love researching I'm a very curious person and I just need answers to everything so I just start researching and it's fun for me 
And I know people are like, okay, but you've, you've read 300 pages thesis and you're taking one liner out of it. But you know, I, I like that and I like learning and the podcast have, I have put a lot of effort and work into it, but it's been fulfilling for me. And I think that's, that's what's important in the end. It's been something that I've done for myself and not, you know, because I have to give uh, 40 hours a week for my boss to pay me and I have to survive or something. So, so it's been fun. And I think just having this stuff that is fulfilling and important to yourself is it's good and it's self-care and just feeling like your own person again and that your time is yours as well. Yeah, it's these types of projects and ideas and Mm -hmm. things that like, they can be hard work at times, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we both understand that editing is hell. Yeah, (laughs) we do. But it's, I mean, as you said, it's fulfilling. We feel good doing it. It's something that gives us meaning to do and like something that we enjoy doing that we want to share and that we find important Mm -hmm. in sharing. So like, exactly. Yeah pretty great yeah and like you said it's it's fun to just sit and chat uh, with friends as well I mean that that must be fun but yeah I totally agree with that and um, yes yeah I, I totally didn't start the podcast to just talk about fun readings with friends no absolutely not <laughs> you never <laughs> never <laughs> I totally believe you're not this kind of person. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's that's why I started my podcast as well, because I was just like, I like art. And also, look, I'm going to admit something. I was very petty because I got rejected from grad school. And I was just like, excuse me, I know about art history. And I was just like, I love talking about history. So you dare reject me? Let me just tell you, show you how much I know about art history. But then it just started being really fun working on. And now it's more about how much I love it and not about, you know, petty reason. But uh... I mean, spy is a pretty great motivator. I, I... It kind of is, right? I had written like 50 pages just in that sort of first month after being rejected from Red Spoon. I was just like, I'll show you. And I mean, like you did, you, you're, you're clearly a brilliant art historian. Like I, oh my God. what can I say? <laughs> Go listen to Imaginarium. Thank you. But yeah, it's, it, these are things, this is not like, it's a different type of work, but it's not like, it's a work that exists outside of that, of yeah. that particular corporate work mm-hmm. logic thing, which is like, a pretty big horror story oh yeah you don't need to to write and uh, do interviews and uh, resumes just to like uh. do something fulfilling <laughs> i mean i i again on, on the things i wrote down in the outline the mm-hmm. one of the recent uh, lit crit guys videos about work as a horror story i have to to watch this one now the intro is painful because it's a sort of <laughs> edited montage kind of thing of like bits of what would be dialogue and interviews and automatic response Ooh. from like it's um it was horrifying i was uh, it's a really great video but it's yeah. uh, horror. it's horror yeah it really is i mean I, I i have a new job that i started a few months ago but you know the first 
the two months before that was really just this sort of horror trying to find a job. And it just so de- dehuman- dehumanizing, I find, to yeah. look for a job. It just makes you feel like you're just, you know, some stats and some, you know, some skills. And I think I really hated it. And I think a lot of people do. <laughs> I mean, like you said, it's really a horror story, but it, it's really dehumanizing. And I think the yeah. whole capitalist corporate world is very much that it really strips you of you being a person who has you know who can do stuff and can and who has skills to oh you have worked two years at this place and five years at this one what can you bring to this company and it's just like I need money (laughs) (laughs) there's so many different like places and I think it it ties to like the results only so it's like Mm -hmm. uh, when I was uh, applying for a job uh, or trying to get a job as like a sort of class monitor or assistant kind of thing for like school Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean schools or a lot of schools have been like corporatized and that's terrifying and awful because like I mean education does not have an end point it really doesn't it really doesn't we can always learn whenever and but yeah it's like you said schools have definitely been corporatized and it's a bit scary to see as well. I mean, it's not that bad where I am, but how tuition keeps rising and rising yeah. and, it, and it brings this gap between people of who has a degree and who has not a degree and who doesn't have a degree. And it's not even about knowledge. I mean, a lot of the time you could learn on your own, like these things that, I mean, what, what the degree is about, but... It's about class difference, who has yeah. the means and who has, who can get ahead, I mean, in one sense. So it just sort of perpetuates those inequalities. So I think, um, yeah, it's the corporatization of education is like, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, like I, I remember sending, trying to call various schools and like, mm-hmm. oh, can I send a, a, my resume and whatnot? I'm looking, I'm not sure if you are after as well. And I, oh, they give you an email to, to send a resume. I have never gotten a single reply. Yeah, they don't. They they never send you. Yeah, same. I'm, I've sent so many resumes and emails and I think I got a reply like three times on maybe 70 emails I've sent, which I think it's is whack when you think about it yeah it's uh it's horrible it's painful and it's dehumanizing because like oh i am just this thing that i need to uh-huh. to draw attention that I, I need to sell myself that's one yeah of the, like, i hate like this and she goes over this at, at one point of like your your own personal brand yes that's like a brand isn't a person no matter what you say <laughs> It is not. It really is not. And I think it's one of the things that creeps me out as well on social media. You know, when brands have like Twitter accounts where they're acting all cutesy and stuff. And yeah. it's just like, excuse me, but please let's not do this. Like when the McDonald's account is like, oh yeah, I'm so tired lately. I'm just like, what's going on here? 
<laughs> it really feels like a horror story, like you said. I don't think I could have imagined any of that in my worst nightmares, but here we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's that's definitely one of the things I like, especially as a writer or a potential writer, or I'd like mm-hmm. to have things published. Um, that I'm wishing it for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Trust and fingers. It's definitely like, oh, to have my personal brand like this and the things that I'm related to, that's like just, Mm -hmm. it creeps me out. Like I get it uh, and like that's an important thing to do, but I I always feel kind of weird and slightly dehumanized when I do a lot of that. Oh, I feel you so much. And I feel especially, like you said, as a writer, I have a lot of friends as well, like you and other people that I know who, who are trying to write. And like one of them, they were telling me about how it feels that you can't get an agent or like get traditionally published unless you already have a following. Yes. Which is which is a bit insane to think about because like doesn't the publishing house has here their own marketing department? So why should the author have to bring that to the table? And like you said, it's a bit dehumanizing it's a bit weird and I mean I'm feeling it and I don't even feel like I have this much of a presence on social media you know but I've been getting a bit of quite a number of followers lately and it just feels like a lot and having to you know constantly present yourself a certain way Mm -hmm. because like I would like the podcast to grow I would like you know certain projects to I would like to do certain projects as well and it just feels like you have to present yourself as a brand, like, a, you know, always peppy, always this and that. And it just feels very weird. Yeah. Like yeah. You, need to, you need to be like sort of, you need to appeal to certain things or like to a publisher uh-huh. or to an agent. or, or just, And that's all yeah. that really creeps me out. Like, I know. I, I've always been like on the sense that I I'd always do things for myself and whatever audience I would end up having would be the audience that would like the thing that I do. You know what I mean? Like, same, same. Yeah. <laughs> so just like I, I, I personally don't want to appeal to a certain kind of, um, of audience. I'm just like, whoever comes in, if you like my work, fine. If you don't, I really... I mean, I mean, maybe it's not, uh, I shouldn't say that, but I really don't care that much. I'm just like, you know, whatever floats your boat. Yeah, I mean, like, oh, you like me? Great. You don't? Eh, fair enough. Exactly. I'm just, I, I really don't, I really don't care much, much more than that. But it's, uh, it's a tendency that's been happening a lot of, you know, having to market yourself as a person and not. You know, not only if you're a celebrity or some kind of personality, but more just even random people. Yeah. And uh-huh. you need to, to have this environment around you that is your brand, uh-huh. that is what is connected to you. And that's, I mean, mm-hmm. I kind of get it because like there's a point in like, oh, this, these are the things that I do or these are the things that I enjoy. But it's, mm-hmm. it's weird because that's, that's not something that, that becomes a necessity. You need yeah. to do that. And that's like... You uh... need to do that. Exactly. It's like I said, it feels like author, artists are really, you know, if you have a certain level, 
right? Some sort of point, if you have 10,000 followers to 20,000 followers, and they're like, okay, you have this much of a following. Okay, we'll publish you. You don't have a lot. We're not taking a chance on you. It feels a lot like this. And I know, I mean, publishing and, you know, all of that stuff has a lot of things that aren't really open to it's not very inclusive and diverse i mean i I know it's getting better somehow but very slow and steady very slow and steady i mean we're cheering them on but it's it's not there yet but yes it's a tendency i've been seeing a lot lately and i think it's like she said self-marketing and feeling like a brand and not much more of a person i think uh Sometimes you just have to do nothing. You don't have to be a brand. Yeah, you don't need mm-hmm. to be always on Twitter. Yeah. I do say <laughs> on the intro, I'm always online because I do, but I don't want to be, or at least less. I feel you. I feel you. I I also would like to be online less, but unfortunately, I'm online a lot. But, you know, that's how I, how I meet my friends and talk and find things and... Uh, you know, but just like maybe a bit less would be good. But yeah, no, I I totally feel you about being online a lot. I mean, she says that like um, instead of the fear of missing out, the necessity yeah. of missing out, or yeah. the light version, the necessity of sometimes missing out. <laughs> just sometimes. But yes, I I think that line was very powerful because, like you said, we. I mean, I'm talking for myself personally, but sometimes it's just like, oh, oh no, what's going on on Twitter? But it's like, you refreshed it 10 minutes ago, five minutes ago. It's fine. Nothing happened. And if something happened, you didn't miss much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, usually the important stuff tends to appear in in other places and with some more frequency. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sometimes I'm just like, if it's something really, really important, like you said, it will appear other in other places, or my friends will just send me something. Exactly. It's okay. You can just not refresh Twitter. You can just not refresh Instagram for thirty minutes. We will survive somehow. Somehow. <laughs> somehow. <laughs> I mean, somehow. you can take uh, more uh, uh, sometimes a four to five hour break of sometimes. Twitter. Yeah. If you're feeling really bold, you can try 12 to 24 hours. But, you know, baby <laughs> steps. I mean, I want to get there. I still haven't succeeded. <laughs> baby steps. Wow. One step at a time, slowly but surely. But yes, I am. Um, like you said, I think social media, I think it's, we've seen that it can be very important. It can be very useful and, and everything. I mean, like just with Romance in the Dotted, I don't think that project would have existed without social media. Yeah. I mean, I only got involved in it because one of my friends would like, check this out. I think you, you would like it. And I followed it. And, you know, and then it was sort of a domino Bringing, my, bringing me here on this podcast today. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I still think it's worth taking a step back sometimes and do nothing, be a person, do not be a card in the corporate capitalistic mach- machine. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like, and again, another brilliant point she makes is that like, 
it's the social media is a corporate tool ultimately oh, yeah. it's a uh, mm-hmm. i mean we we make various uses of it and we try to find interesting and good and do good stuff like a podcast like romancing the gothic yeah but, you know it's uh it's still a corporate tool exactly exactly and i am um... I think there's still things to be said about, you know, the private interest of, you know, the social media that we use yeah. and how, I mean, just on Twitter, it took them, I don't even think they do, but they barely asked on, you know, racist, anti-whatever-have-you, uh, violent commentary. They just sort of ignore it and they let it go rampant. And I think, you know, maybe some hate speech shouldn't have a platform. Yeah. I, I, again, not a controversial p- position. It really shouldn't be, but uh, <laughs> apparently it is. <laughs> but yeah. So. But yeah, to, to bring another quote here on that exact point, mm. the villain here is not necessarily the internet or even the idea of social media. It is the invasive logic of commercial social media and its financial incentive to keep us in a profitable state of anxiety, envy, and distraction. Oh, that quote is perfect. Sincerely, it's perfect. It, I think it really says a lot too about how she brings, you know, social media and just the way we look at things and this idea of not doing anything, I think it's, it's very profound. And, I, you know, also the being constantly stressed and, you know, distracted and so that we're we're not, you know, on a feeling our best, you know, we're not, you know, paying attention to what we should pay attention and just, I think it's a great quote. <laughs> Yeah, that that is something by design or that became by design and not just, oh, this is a thing that social media always does. Well, (laughs) well. It was built like that. So, of course, (laughs) of course. And yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And also, you know, envy, I think that you mentioned as well in the quote, I think also, you know, wanting seeing someone having you know the latest outfit or uh bag or book or whatever and I I look I love books I love clothes but it's that that thing of like constant capitalist influence that you see something and like oh I want to have it and social media is a great tool for marketing for making you want to have these things and like I'm working on myself I know that I'm someone who loves to have things and I'm working on this my weakness unfortunately are books and uh, and, clo- and clothes so I'm I'm trying my best but uh, I think it's a great capitalistic tool and it, that's how it's been built and especially social media so and I think a lot of brands have noticed also the power of social media with like influencers and whatnot and yeah. you know <laughs> that that's a whole other can of worms that we won't be opening tonight today no. <laughs> we're not we're not but i think it's worth mentioning that it's like the epitome of like self-marketing and of people as brands and you know just the whole it's a lot yeah i mean like to give a very it, it's almost a silly example but it's like one of the first instances i remember this like in 
football teams mm -hmm. or soccer in American English. Uh, yeah. The team, like, or the various, like, sports teams in Brazil and whatnot, like the larger ones, the brands that are on the shirts are more important than, like, anything else. <laughs> And there's oh so God. many of them. It's it's kind of scary. And that's been going yeah. on for so long. And like one of the first uh -huh. instances I can remember of like, oh, people are like just brands. Like they're the team, but they're the brands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If they win, they win for the brands. It's, uh, yeah, no, I feel you. I, I understand what you mean. Very interesting. Like she says also, the resistance in place, you know, like having not been available. I think we also talked a bit about this earlier, but not being available for work or whatever, and just removing yourself from being available for whatever, I think is very powerful. And we don't do it a lot, especially with how you know, with, with phones, social media and everything, we're constantly reachable. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I, I, I kind of like having been able to text my friend whenever and I'm just like, whenever they can respond to me is fine. But it's just this idea of constantly being reachable. Yeah. Which, uh, so like removing yourself from that whole thing is a bit of a resistance, like she says. And I think it, it's really interesting to think about. Yeah, I, I really like how she brings that as this idea that like turn yourself into something that can't be easily co-opted or assimilated. Mm -hmm. But just like, you know, in, in that sense, like removing yourself for, for some time or for some place or like mm -hmm. not like, oh, you need something from your boss, whatever, like just leave it to monday don't yeah. don't don't make the week don't let's not lose our weekends uh mm -hmm. regardless so you know the, these things that are um, she quotes benjamin on this mm -hmm. redemption preserves itself in a small crack in the continuum of catastrophe powerful <laughs> really dramatic but yes Very. i respect it i always respect the drama i think it's uh we should have more drama in our lives but yes, it's, um, I think it's very important to like consider personally, if I'm not at the job, I, I told like some of my friends that who work a lot over time. And I'm just like, if I'm not being paid, I'm not even raising a single finger. Yeah. You know, and I think it's important to be like, I'm not available. These are my hours. After five, you're nothing to me. I mean, you still have to pretend, but you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, exactly. And I think yeah. it, it ties a lot to what we were talking about. Like, mm -hmm. since if our job or our work is the only thing that gives us any sense of meaning or purpose, then mm -hmm. we are co-opting this. It's like, oh, we, but we, I need to do overtime in order to do that. No, like, if you're not being paid, don't do no it. No work. Don't no do work. it. Sign up for your unions as well, please. 100%. Like, mm -hmm. please, please union unionize unionize yes it's uh it's very important i mean i've seen it in the museum i was working for i mean no names or whatever but the department i was in was union unionized so when the pandemic hit and we all got laid off but you know our our advantages and everything stayed the same we were just kind of laid off temporarily 
but the other departments all suffered a pay cut because the museum was like, yeah, I know. The museum was like, we're having a very difficult financial, you know, time since they had to close. So everyone is going to have a 15% cut. Like, just like that. And I was like, you should have a union. This wouldn't happen. They can't, they shouldn't be able to do that to you. Yeah. But uh, yes, I saw it happen. I was like, ooh, that's a lot. But yes, uh, unionize people, unionize. Uh, solidarity with your fellow uh, co-worker. Your boss is your enemy. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. <laughs> but yes, I, um, you have to unionize and just like work. It should be just that, you know, work, especially... Capitalistically, you know, they're they're never going to do anything for you. So yeah. why is, I'm glad we're uh, we're agreed on that. Of course, I, I mean, like for example, in terms of like we're talking mm-hmm. about education and teaching. Of course, I'm going to teach and going to do a good job and whatnot. But if you don't pay me, I'm not going to teach. Exactly. It's that's it. Like I'm not going to do free work. We're not. I have sadly. I mean, it's but like we're told to believe like oh but you need to do that you need to be available you need to be proactive oh god i hate this word same oh. i hate it i hate it so much it's like you have to be proactive okay, but for what i'm proactive with my friends if i see my friend is having a good time i'm going to contact them and be like oh is everything okay but why should i do that for my job i mean I'm working, I'm doing what I have to do. Don't ask for more than anyway. <laughs> it's like, oh, why aren't you more enthusiastic for no reason since you're not going to get paid more? It's like, no, j- just tell me what I need to do and I'm going to do it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's, you know, I think it prefers a bit, you know, self-marketing and also like you have to be constantly smiling and happy to be here or else you know, if two people are doing the same thing, but one is more like happy and enthusiastic and I don't know what, but in the end, they're doing the same thing. So why should it be important? I mean, it, I think we should all, you know, try to have a good time with each other, be polite, blah, blah, blah. But you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. It's like I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, uh, if I'm working, I'm going to be respectful to my boss. Yeah. But don't I don't need to like them. I don't need to be friends with them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because it's it's not about that. It's like you're paying mm-hmm. me, uh, you're extracting my labor, and you know, putting off me. I don't like that. But yeah. I'm gonna do the thing. That's it. Mm-hmm. No more. That's nothing it. else. That's it. That's it. But yes, I think you know we've just got it covered. The first part of your outline. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking that it, like, uh, as we were talking, like, yeah, I think this was more of us like sharing some of our notes on what we liked <laughs> on the book rather than like, oh, this is all we're going to talk about. We'd never talk about, we need like six hours to talk about everything. At least, at least. And this is why everyone, you should read the book. There's, there's so much to talk about, but I think she brings so many points that are so relevant. Like just, you know, doing nothing is just 
it's just so difficult because you've been so ingrained that you constantly have to do things even like let's say you have vacation it's like oh what are you doing and sometimes I'm just like I just want to lie down on my bed and and rest I'm tired I think everyone is so tired sometimes you just need to rest and you know that the other book I was going to choose I I don't know if I've told you it's like it's four women who um, decide to rent the castle in Italy for a month and do nothing. And sometimes I dream about this. I read this this book every now and then. I'm just like, I would love to rent a castle in Italy for a month and not be called, not receive any emails at all, <laughs> you know? Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> It's a really fun book. There's a lot of, you know, comedy and uh, zany stuff happening. But basically, it starts with these two older-ish ladies. They both have their husbands. It's in the 1920s. They both have their husbands. It's gray. It's in London. It's the routine. You know, it's very depressing. Yeah. And they see an ad in the newspaper that's like, for this sum of money, you could rent a castle in Italy for a month. And they look at it and they're just like, "Mm, I want this. And it it starts, you know, they start thinking about it. And at the beginning, they're like, oh, it's not possible. How could we just escape like this and leave our lives behind, leave like our husbands and... uh, you know, charity work that they're doing, you know, they're housewives. But they sort of, since they don't have any money, enough money, they just ask to other people to chip in. And then they go to Italy for a month and like stuff happens. But, you know, there's a lot of scenes where they're just lying on the balcony and enjoying the sun. And I just feel like sometimes that's what life should be. Just, you know, hanging out in the sun, in a castle in Italy. We should all deserve this, I think. I think we can all agree with that. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. It's uh, it's called Enchanted April by uh, Elizabeth Van Arnim. If uh, anyone is interested, there's a movie as well. And uh, it just looks so idyllic and peaceful. And I, I don't know, sometimes you just have really to remove yourself from... Ha- you know, routine and having to work and having to do this and that, and it just never stops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just removing yourself, like, from space and time, like, uh-huh. go to Italy for a castle for a month. Exactly. Perfect. For a month. And it's just like, I don't exist anymore for that month. No one can call me. No one can contact me. I think it just sounds like a dream, and I think a lot of people would need that sort of stuff. And I know it's not possible, like concretely for a lot of us. I mean, I know I can't just take off for a month, no matter how much I would love to. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's just this idea of like retreat from the world, from the capitalistic evil machine like, that's constantly moving and that just never stops. So yeah, that, that's like one of the... That, that she puts it in a, in a really interesting way that like this this idea of like a manifest dismantling 
Yeah. Of like just yeah. tearing everything apart and like tearing yes. like these things bit by bit and, and mm-hmm. in all the scales possible to like, yeah, no, this this is awful. This is terrible. So like just literally physically dismantling as well. Like it's just Yeah. Oh, I would love this. Just tearing it apart. It's just this idea that I, that I think really seduced me the first time I read this book because I was just like, I would love to do this on a bigger scale, you know? But I think it's important to just do this at least on a personal scale, yeah. like on, you know, on the level of me and myself, what I can do because unfortunately, I mean, I'm just a small art historian. I can't tear the whole system down no matter how much I would love to. But uh, who knows, maybe one podcast at a time, who knows what will happen. But yes, it just, at least, I think individual change in the end is not a lot and it won't bring the system down, but I think it's still important and I think it's still valuable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think in terms of like what we've been doing with our podcast for example like just Mm -hmm. sharing about art sharing about and and like focusing on these other aspects of like the lie of productivity of imperialism of colonialism Mm -hmm. it's like we are approaching this and like sharing these understandings that like we've we've studied that we've spent so much time thinking about and working on it's just like so let's share this it's as simple as that I think Mm-hmm, well, that's definitely. Good. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I agree. But yes, yeah, I think it's it's important. And I think in the end, it can be worth it even just for ourselves to just, you know, take the time and breathe and, you know, like I said, feel like a sort of a person again and feel like yourself again Yeah, as well. Even for like for the stuff that we've been doing, like, Oh, the research mm-hmm. that we do, like in preparation, so much the readings, the writings, like it's mm-hmm. it's the also recording. for ourselves too. The editing, mm-hmm, definitely. The editing. That's something to add to our resume. It's like we can audio <laughs> edit in a yeah, definitely amateur level. Yeah, but I I will admit, I the research is fun, the writing is fun. I know you do mostly of an outline, but the way my podcast work and there's like so much stuff, I really write yeah. everything. Yeah, you need to. I, yeah, I really need to write everything. And also, I told you English is like my third language, so I just, you know, I can't improvise that well in English. Yeah. So I'm just like, I I have to write everything down. The recording is fun, but then the editing, oh my God, it's just each time, each month I text my friend and I'm just like, I'm editing it down and I hate everything. (laughs) (laughs) Please. I was just like, I I hate this. I have to do it, but I hate this so much. Yeah. Yeah, no, editing is a bane upon our existence. (laughs) It really is. It really is. I have like, you know, my readings, I have huge books and I, I read thesis that are 300 pages and I'm just like this is fun I love this yes. the moment I have to edit I'm just like I wish I was never born <laughs> I mean the goal is to how to to grow the podcasts enough so that we can pay for editors exactly exactly so I, I mean I know it it clashes with our anti-capitalist message but if there's any sponsors out there you know you know give us money 
just so we can pay an editor. <laughs> Th that's our main goal. <laughs> so that like, if we can leave it to someone else, please. Oh, please, genuinely. But yes, yeah, it's been like I said, it's been like you said, it's been fulfilling, it's been fun, and just you know having being able to share that and being sh able to share your own vision, and not, you know, it, for me it's been. I don't want to say I'm dismantling the whole of art history. I'm I'm really not, but it's just bringing maybe a new perspective. I mean, I'm not I'm not a white person. I'm not a white man. I'm not. When I was studying art history, I was the only hijabi in the whole program, so I was really sticking out, and like to the point where if I missed a class, the teacher would know immediately who was missing. You know, and, and oh. also, <laughs> you know, also dressed kind of distinctively so people would know who, who was missing. But yeah, I was very kind of sticking out in art history and it was teaching a certain kind of art history, really a certain perspective. And I, I was just like, yes, I'm learning, but what about these people? What about that perspective? What about maybe more of an anti-colonialist, anti, you know, racist perspective on things because, I mean, I've had like four, four art history classes on the history of Canada and like maybe we just talked a bit for five minutes about indigenous art and it was just like, that's it? We're done now? And it will be the rest of the program dedicated to all the white people and it's just like, okay. Thank you for nothing. <laughs> I've heard about him like 10,000 times, but okay, let's do it again. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. So it's just, you know, really the, the institution that needs to be also dismantled as well. Everything yeah. needs to be dismantled. We ha just have to burn it all to the ground and start again. The only acceptable thing to be done <laughs> with these things. Yeah. Yeah, I and like that's one of the things about like both both our shows that like it's it's about taking the time to talk about them, be it mm -hmm. by via ourselves or with other people. That like it's it's this ambiguity. It's the time that it takes to do this, to mm -hmm. research, to write, to outline, mm -hmm. to think, to talk about it, because that's like we can't do that all that on social media. Like we need to create our own spot. So we did. Yeah. So we did, exactly. And I think, um, like you said, it's really making the place for ourselves to exist. Yeah. I mean, like, we do exist, you're here, I'm here, but it's uh, giving our voices the importance they deserve. I mean, I, I don't want to be, like, self-important. I'm not, like, that important in the grand scheme of things. I mean, I wish, but you know what I mean? But I yeah. think it's still... Uh, it's still important we do good work, I think, and deserves to be heard. And it's not the kind of work that's anywhere else, I think. So, you know. Yeah. Fresh perspective. That's cool. Yeah. I agree. Because, I mean, both on the terms of, like, it's what we do is somewhat specific. Not that yeah. much. But, like, it takes a lot of work. It so, does. Um, it does. Like even uh, there's uh, there are various reasons why I became a solo host. One of them is because mm. I am voracious enough to be able to read, and <laughs> edit, and prepare things uh, for a fortnightly release. 
but it's it's still a lot like you need to read talk and like with guests and other stuff it's it's a lot yeah. of work i really admire you for like how often you have episodes i really wouldn't be able to do that even i was going to do it each two weeks but then my friend would like choose me you work full-time you do this and this and that please don't do this to yourself and it's you know it's also you know bringing back the 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 book like I I know I have this tendency to just pile work onto myself and even though I'm trying not to do that even though I'm trying to you know take it easier because I'm I know that I tend to overwork myself a lot and try to really achieve a lot and do a lot and I it already bit me for it I already had a bad experience with that in when I was studying like not to get into it too much but I had a burnout at like 22 years old so uh which which sort of really had me reconsider everything because I was just like I'm only 22 years old why am I already having a burnout <laughs> you know what I mean exactly yeah and I and that's that's not good I mean it's I'm it's several years later now it's um I know more about myself I know more that I should take it easier but it's still very counterintuitive for me and just the whole message that we're constantly bombarded with that we have to do more that we have to optimize ourselves somehow you know yeah to to be better to work better to be more efficient and it's like life is not about being more efficient all the time so you know yeah yes good but and, and these projects <laughs> of ours are like they're ways for us to express and do something that's meaningful to ourselves and mm-hmm. like it it at times can be difficult to like detach from like oh but i need this rhythm i need this productivity i need this this uh-huh. and that like but no no but it's 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 my thing yeah exactly i say what i want to do and it's gonna be whatever the hell i want exactly exactly i know i'm i'm a bit i'm a bit extra i have tree planners so i can handle everything (laughs) i have one but yeah i have one like for the podcast a planner specifically for the podcast but doing this for me really makes me insert like that day you're not doing anything on Sunday like it's not the case this Sunday but like on Sunday for example you're not working you're not writing you're not doing anything and having to force myself to write this down like really makes me a bit um accountable to myself like you're not doing anything you don't need to write you don't need to think about work you don't need to think about your podcast just be for a moment for a moment just for a day just be and I think you know that that's why I wanted to choose this book because it really hit me a lot like personally but also just the way I work professionally and the way I I I I know I can be and that I don't want to be I don't want to become this person that's constantly working because I've been this person and it wasn't good (laughs) So I'm I'm trying not to be that person again. Yeah, the book really brings to light how well we we need to be to insist and be stubborn with uh with taking care of ourselves like with a, a legitimate 
self-care in this mm-hmm. regard that like no the time to stop the time to really do nothing and it's like mm-hmm. the, there's no easy answer it's not gonna be simple but it's like it's literally doing nothing for the sake of doing nothing not exactly not to just recharge not to just work better not to just do the no mm-hmm. it's just it's to be or to not be just to be here is the, uh, the question that is indeed the question but yeah <laughs> I'm sorry, it just it just was here. I couldn't not do that. Yeah, I mean it was too but, perfect. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> too perfect to to miss it. But yes, exactly. Just like being, and I think it's something that I wish more people would sort of embrace because I see a lot of people, you know, that I know personally. I'm just like, please take it easy. And I I've been the person that people say to take it easy. So I'm just like, I know where you come from. And I know that it's easy to get enraptured in this rhythm that it's so fast and that no one really can keep up with. Yeah. It's so stressful. Why are we doing this to ourselves? <laughs> That's why I reread this book as well every now and then just so, to sort of remember again that sometimes you just have to take it easy. And then be, maybe rent a castle in Italy if you have the means. I mean, I don't, but I would love to. Yeah. Go to a garden, go to a park, mm-hmm. watch birds. Mm-hmm. Watch birds, you know, like uh, like Jenny Adel does. But yes, it's, uh, it makes me laugh. We really just did like maybe the first part of the outline. <laughs> we really did. Oh, and barely, like the, the points are like, oh, barely. this could be an hour. It's okay. I have never shut up syndrome. I can talk for hours and uh, you know. But yes, it's it was a it was a really good book and I'm really glad you liked it and uh, enjoyed it. So uh, Yeah, I've also been recommending it to as many people as I can. <laughs> it's just that <laughs> good. You. It's just that good. Yeah. If you listen to this podcast, please read this book. Please. Thank you. Oh, and uh, worth mentioning, like the first, I'll put it on the show notes and whatnot, but like the first chapter like has like sort of a lecture version on YouTube, which you showed me as well. Yeah, I think I've seen the lecture before I read the book and I'm just like, oh my God, she's so right. And then I had to uh, borrow the book from the library at first. And then I was in, once I read it, I was like, I need to own my own copy. So here it is now. I do have it. And I think it's just really worth uh, reading and also use your libraries. I'm, I'm an archivist. Use the archives and the books that you have at your libraries. It's, uh, it's very useful. But yeah, it's, uh, the lecture is really good as well. I think Jenny Adele is a very good lecturer. She's very yeah. good at speaking in front of, uh, of people and it's very engaging. Yeah, it's mm. also really good to see, especially because there are a lot of like, and in other chapters as well, like visual art references or to mm-hmm. particular works and places. So it's like, oh, I I would really love like some of these chapters to be more, to like be illustrated to like, oh, so this is that and this is that and this is that. Yeah, I think it would have been a really good idea, especially because she's an artist. She's a contemporary artist. I, I don't even know if we've mentioned that. But if we didn't, you know, like more than half, more than an hour in, she's an artist. (laughs) (laughs) 
she's an artist and so a lot of her reference and the way she brings things is about you know visual art and visual things because that's how she understands the world and I think having these art like you said would have been such a good idea to just be able to see and reference things because I think sometimes you just need to see what she's talking about yeah yeah mm-hmm so <laughs> given everything you've already talked about for an hour and something or <laughs> in a bit i think we did oh my god was fun oh absolutely anything else that you want to mention or, or something that to, to go over i mean there's a lot but you know <laughs> i i don't i don't know i think we we've, we've talked a lot about you know generally the book and how i think it can be very relevant just to our selves it's a very important book for me as well it was and I think just within the general circumstances in which we live just taking a step back and trying to understand what's going on I think it's very easy to just get wrapped up in how fast everything is moving because everything is moving so fast and I think it can get really overwhelming and really anxiety inducing and I think it's really worth taking a step back slowing down a bit and I think this book really helps a lot at understanding everything that's behind this sort of concept even though a lot of you know slowness and wellness gets co-opted a lot by capitalism and um, industry and whatnot I don't think it's worth thinking about these concepts maybe not from you know what I have to buy to do this it's like you don't have to buy anything you just have to sit down with yourself for an hour and leave your phone in the other room and just think and I know it gets like I personally that's really overwhelming I just keep thinking about stuff and it's hard for me to just sit still and do nothing but it's just a skill that you have to learn yeah yeah I agree yeah but I think it's 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 a really important book and I'm glad we've been able to discuss it yeah even on surface <laughs> even just a bit yeah I think like one, only one thing that I just want to at least like acknowledge or mention because <laughs> it's something we've touched very lightly but like this idea of understanding like a different sort of time not like the mm -hmm. the wash time the machine time the capitalist time and just like mm -hmm. that's like why she brings a, a whole like ecological focus yes decentering humanity from the the entire conversation and existence in society and the world uh which again two hours at the very least to talk about <laughs> two hours oh my god two hours at least but yes i totally agree i think a, a lot of ecological uh, perspective in this book is really so fascinating and uh, like you said decentering ourselves from this perspective but also i feel like Personally, I live in North America and it's still, they really do center themselves in everything. And especially when it comes to climate change, it's like they're doing the bare minimum. But you know, it's the countries of the global South that are going to suffer more. And you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, uh, <laughs> so it just maybe sometimes decentering yourself from the narrative and maybe like, people just as a whole and thinking about ecological problems and and whatnot but yeah I think it was very interesting and like you said 
the passage of time and time that is your own I think it's uh it's really important yes yeah and and like I was even thinking about this on like a, a novella I read which did like a sort of sci-fi approach decentering Ooh. humanity it was to be taught if fortunate by Becky Chambers mm, I'll read that later it's Definitely. short and somewhat sweet <laughs> but really really interesting <laughs> like it, it also got me thinking or kept me thinking about this like writing and creating and imagining and considering outside of just a human centered approach mm-hmm. and like expanding it to really consider like oh the environment the ecosystem the other animals like the wildlife it's yes this book does and brings so much into the conversation like doing nothing and it's like just here we are talking about like we again we did about about half or less than half of our outline (laughs) oh way less than half i think we did like maybe uh the intro and the first point of the the outline (laughs) but yes there's there's a lot to think about this in this book and even just as a reading even if you just read it like lightly you know on surface there's still a lot to think about but if you really read it and take note there's so much she brings into the conversation and uh, there's just so much to think about right I'm just there's so much to think about yeah definitely one of those books that will keep us company for a long long time definitely <laughs> So yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Nadja. Uh, now, one of the most important questions, where can people find you and, and your work and support you? Uh, so I am on Twitter and uh, both on imaginarium underscore pod for my podcast or as well as Safnaja underscore PNG for my personal account. Otherwise, you can support me on Coffee or Patreon. So uh, Patreon is mostly so I can buy research books. I <laughs> do so much research. But otherwise, you know, only if you can afford it and you, if you like the work that I do. So yeah, these are mainly the places you can find me on the internet. Yeah, I will put all Nadja's links in the description. So do, <laughs> do check her out, do check her work. Listen to Imaginarium Pod. I cannot stress this enough times, <laughs> especially the most recent episode and the bio one, which we've already talked about. I'm so, so glad you liked it. It was a fun one to write and a difficult one to write, you know, because I'm, I'm Algerian and uh, my grandparents were both in their 30s when the independence happened. So oh. it's... Yeah, it's really not that long ago, you know what I mean? So it was really hard to research because a lot of the time for, um, you know, unknown artists, it's very difficult to find information. So it, mm-hmm. And also thinking about colonialism and imperialism in a way that's very near and very... It, it was a bit difficult, but it was still very fun to write. And I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, no, it's uh, one of those crucial things. <laughs> Thank you. Please go listen and follow Not Just Work. Please support it if you can. From our side of things, like I am on Twitter as well, or at Frank Gothic, which is my personal one, and at Left Page Pod, where I also, I always make a point of sharing the Imaginarium Pods episodes, uh, important stuff. <laughs> and yeah, like uh, if you can support us on Patreon, I 
I write a, a couple of texts. Like I usually try at least one a month because you know weird times and all that. Uh, but usually about either some more of my academic research or other books or stories that wouldn't necessarily make it into an episode, at least not yet. So different interesting stuff but yeah if if you can please do check us out it's at patreon.com forward slash left page and yeah just thank you for listening thank you for being here Nadja. it's been an honor and a pleasure thank you for having me it's been very fun so yeah thank you for listening and bye bye everyone goodbye